Let me just tell you this. If I was the president of the United States, it wouldn't matter what anybody thought. I would go by the thing of what's right and what's wrong. Whatever is right, it has to be according to the Constitution, government-wise. If it ain't right here, it ain't right. Period. If it's wrong, it's wrong. If the Constitution don't give you the right to do something, well, then it's wrong. You can do whatever this here says for the, the ruling part of it. And the people that's not listed in there, you're a free man. You can do whatever as long as you don't violate this. It's just like God says, if you love one another, you can live like you please. If you love one another. But what's the problem? Sin abounds because the love of many has waxed cold. So when there's no love, sin abounds. Why is sin abounding? Because there's no love. People don't love God. And they don't love one another. So now we use everyone. And we want to manipulate government by manipulating the people that get in to give us what we want. And it's all wrong. I told you one time, I said, I'd run for office and my platform would be... I promise to do nothing for you. I'm not going to do anything for you. I'm going to let you work and make your own money and supply your own needs from the cradle to the grave. It's not government's job to interfere. And believe it or not, that's the truth. That's the way it's supposed to be. It's not government's job to take care of people. But you see, you are supposed to be responsible. Government's supposed to make sure that nobody takes away that right that you have to provide and to meet your needs, to save your money. They're not supposed to be manipulating the money in this world. But what they're doing is very simple. You see, Congress is the only one that has the right to print money. The Federal Reserve doesn't have the authority. You see, they're not a part of government. So they can make the money and then sell it. Now you owe it in the debt. And where do they get it? Well, they just print it out of thin air. Didn't cost them. And they get rich. And we get poor. And the more money they print, the less our money's worth. That's illegal plunder. Illegally stealing from the people. That's wrong. What happened to people that say, look, we get to Washington, number one, do away with the Federal Reserve. And every program that's not constitutional. That's it. And get back to the gold and silver standard that's authorized in the Constitution. You could turn this whole thing around. Somebody. But see, we don't have people who want that because, see, we have been getting from the government for so long. We can't stop. And because of that, we would rather sink the whole nation. Let it all go under. And guess what? It will. It will. But here in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, I want you to look there in verse 7. 
in verse 7, there's about six things here I want to show you very quickly. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. This is the chapter on what does it mean to live by faith. Because he tells us that in chapter 10, the just shall live by faith. Then it tells us what is faith. Let's see there in verse 1. Now the faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, you can't see how God's going to do something, but be, you believe God will make it happen. And, and you don't know how, but you just do it. But look what he says in verse 7. By faith, Noah. Now there's a foundation for Noah's faith. A foundation. He was warned of who? God. Noah believed God. That's the foundation on which everything else takes place. Without that, there is nothing. So faith was not in Noah. Noah's faith was not in his sons or their wives. His faith was in God. And God, as he looks upon the earth, is looking for one thing. He's, he's looking for faith. He's looking for individuals that have faith, that believe him. Because God wants to use them. Now here he makes a statement. He was warned of God. And that means he heard the word of God. You and I have his word. And God says right before he had mentioned this about, you know, as it was in the days of Noah. He says, the heavens and the earth shall pass away. But my word shall never pass away. You see, when you rest upon the Word of God, you're resting upon a foundation that will never pass away. It's a rock. It's a solid truth. It doesn't come and go. It's not like sand. You see, a lot of the insecurity in America today is because we've got a bunch of people trying to make law on sand. It's not on the Constitution. It's sand. It's on people's opinion, and nobody knows how it's going to come down. Nobody knows whether to invest or not to invest, to hire or not to hire, because they don't know how many of my taxes are going to take or what's going to happen to me. They don't know what's going to happen to anything. Nobody's sure about Medicaid, Medicare, and Medicare, or Social Security. Everything's all up in the air. Nobody knows. And it destroys the will of the people to produce. That's where we are. By faith, Noah being warned of God. And God says, as it was in the days of Noah, did God warn in the days of Noah? Can the preachers be warning people today and still it doesn't seem to matter what you say, how hard you hit on the Word of God? I sometimes wonder, we have a message that we put out on the radio there's people that hear the message every day, some cases twice a day. And you know, in spite of all of those places and all those people that hear all those sermons that I've been preaching, and I've preached a bunch, do you know there's only a handful of people that ever say thank you or hear something to help you on the radio broadcast? Did you know if it wasn't for the people sitting here and a few people that send in, in donations, uh, we wouldn't be on there at all. 
only because some people care. Enough people give a little extra and they put it on for the radio broadcast. I'm just making a statement about the complacency of people. But we're trying to get the message out because there's something more important than saving America. There's something more important than saving the world. And that's to get America and the people saved. I would rather have people have eternal life and go to heaven when they die. But it's because of my faith in what God's Word says. So you work toward that. Dr. Lindstrom and myself, and there's quite a few others around the world, believe it or not, that are gospel-driven. It doesn't matter what our message is or what it's about. We find a way to always weave in something about the truth of the gospel. To explain it, always trying to separate between salvation and service. Have you noticed that? Now, I guarantee you, I didn't learn that from Hank Lindstrom. I got it from a man named Dr. A. Ray Stanford, just like Hank did. But where did he get it? Well, he just got it out. It's the Bible. As you read the Bible, that's the crux of the matter. It's what it's all about. And God said, I'm warning. And he has sent warnings about the times of Sodom and Gomorrah and the, the flood and the world in which we live. I, I may not be able to change it no more than Noah didn't change the world in his day. Lot evidently did not change Sodom and Gomorrah. It was like that before he went there. I believe they made an impact upon him and his family. I believe the world today is making an impact upon our Christian churches, upon our homes, upon our kids. If it was possible, why wouldn't every parent want their kids to go to camp, learn the Word? Because their lives cannot be changed without it. Their decisions about who they marry and how they raise their children down the road someplace is because of the impact that's made because of God's Word. Do you have faith in the Word? Confidence in the Word. That when God speaks, it does something to you. And it not only affects you, it affects your whole family. The second thing I want you to see here very quickly, he says in verse 7, he says, being warned of God, get this, not seen as yet. Not seen as yet. Things not seen as yet. There's a lot of things he never saw. You see, we can't see Christ coming back right now. We can't see the great tribulation, but we can see things heading up toward it. We have what God's Word says and what it's going to be like, and the Antichrist is going to come upon the scene. We know that one day Israel, there's going to be a peace treaty made, but we may not see it. It may happen right after we leave. It could happen right before. You know, the temple's got to be, but, see, but we believe it, even though we can't see it. Well, how do we know it's going to happen? Because God said it, and we believe it. And we base everything that we do upon our confidence in the book. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. And here's three little words you ought to underline in your Bible. Moved with fear. Moved with fear. In other words, he not only had a high, holy, reverential respect for God, but he knew there was a consequence if he didn't. 
There would be no ark for him to be in. There'd be no place for his wife. There'd be no place for his sons and their wives if he doesn't build the ark. So for the saving of his own household, he obeys God. You know, after I trusted Christ as my Savior, I had one burning desire. I wanted to make sure that my family got in the ark. You see, Noah built this ark for the saving of his household. Well, Christ is the ark of safety. I know that this world is going down. Nothing's going to last. So 50 years ago, I accepted Christ as my Savior. I was placed into the ark of safety. Christ is my ark. And I have been placed in Him. I am sealed in Christ. But not only did I want me to be in that ark of safety, I wanted to make sure that my kids get to get in the ark. You see, Noah's concerned about his family. Look what he says. Move with fear. Prepared an ark to the what? Saving of his house. His own family. I wanted to make sure that my aunts and my uncles, my cousins, as many of my relatives as possible, I went after them. I mean, I went after them with a zeal. I hounded them. I drove over 400 and something miles one way just to talk to my aunt and uncle. And they told me where I could go. But I went anyway. Years later, they said they finally trusted Christ as their Savior. But I got my mom. I got my oldest sister. And she's dead now. I got my other sister. And she's dead now. got my brother trusts the Lord. I didn't lead him to the Lord, but because of my influence, he came out to the same church. I was in Shreveport, Louisiana in a rescue mission. And I could not get my stepdad out of my mind. Him and my mom had separated. And he'd become a drunk. And when I tried to talk to him, he'd get up and he'd walk out of the room and tell me to shut up my own business. If I want to hear preaching, I'll go to church. Break my heart. And I imagine I was a little on the rude side because I didn't know the finer techniques of how to do things. I just didn't want him to go to hell. And it hurt me. I was out there in Shreveport, Louisiana. And I started praying for him. I wanted him to get saved. So I sat down and I wrote him a long letter. And I put everything in the letter, what I wanted him to do. And I said, now I want you to go to church. And I want you to talk to uh, Betty's uh, dad so that he could go to church with him and get saved that Sunday. And I mailed the letter. That Sunday morning, early in the morning, he came to Betty's dad's house. And he'd been out all night. And they asked him if he would go to church. He came to the door. and They gave him something to eat. And said, why don't you go to church with us this morning? So he went to church with them. It was all over with. He went into the office with the preacher. And the preacher led him to the Lord. And what was interesting, now this is after several years. The next day he got my letter in the mail. He got my letter in the mail the day after he had done everything I told him to do. See, prayer worked faster than the letter. But he trusted the Lord. It was interesting. But one by one, by one by one. See, my goal, I want to get him in. I want to get as many into the ark of safety that I possibly can. Because when you really believe it, you want people to know the Lord. Look what he says here. 
not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. So you should do what you can that helps prepare people to get them ready for eternity. Do you realize that when the rapture takes place, that means when Christ comes in the air, those who know Christ as their Savior, they're going to be caught up and transported to heaven. Those that don't know the Lord, they're going to still be here. And most of them, a lot of them, are going to be killed. They're going to be killed by this one world government. Because the world got to get to the place where uh, there'll be a one world government and everybody's going to have to be forced to obey or be killed. That's what Christ said, if we believe what he said. And I believe what he said. So do you want them to go to heaven or not? If you want them to go to heaven, don't depend on nobody else to get them. God may want to use you. And you say, well, I don't know how to tell them. It's about time you learned. Prepare. I don't think Noah ever built an ark before. This probably was his first one. It probably was his last one. He probably never had to do it again. But don't you agree that it was a smart thing for him to do? A wise thing for him to do? The whole human race came because of those eight that was in that ark. I just have this belief that what God's word says is true. Look what else he says here. By the which he condemned the world. Do you realize that just by the fact that you and I do what's right, you are a rebuke to the world? If you as an individual accept Christ as your Savior, you are a rebuke to those who don't. Because you see, don't they know and hear what you've heard? Why do you believe it and then somebody else not believe it? I have spoken in crowds. And I've had people that believed the message and those that would not believe the message. And yet they all heard the same thing. Those that believe it are saying, what I heard was enough for me. Why wasn't it enough for you? What do you want God to do something special for you that he didn't do for somebody else? What do you want? Would you want him to perform some little miracle for you? I mean, you want to put God on a string and make him dance to your tune? To convince me, God... And God may give you the same thing that he's given to everybody else. Look, I told you, you are a sinner. Can you believe him? You can't believe that. You're not going to believe anything else, he says. You are a sinner. You are not perfect. You are not righteous. You are not good enough to go to heaven. I've had a person say, you trying to tell me I'm not good enough to go to heaven? I said, sure. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you're not good enough. Who do you think you are? The judge? I said, no, I'm just telling you what the judge said. The judge already done declared the whole world is guilty. All have sinned and all have come short of his perfection. Yeah? You're not good enough to go to heaven. No, you're not. I hear in the paper, front page today, millions of people are trying to make this man a saint. The Pope. Make him a saint. I was made a saint 50 years ago. And I didn't need anybody else's opinion. 
And I didn't have to perform any miracles. My being a saint has nothing to do with you. You say, how do you know you're a saint? You are a saint when you accepted Christ as your Savior. You were sanctified. Means you were made pure and holy, set apart, and you belong to God. I am a saint. And I am a real, genuine saint. And let me tell you this. You say, this might make me mad. It, it might. You won't say it anyway. But I never say anything to try to offend anybody. But that doesn't mean it doesn't offend. But not because that's my goal. That's never my goal. But truth is offensive. Any person who does not trust Christ as his only hope of going to heaven doesn't go to heaven. If Mother Teresa, she's not my mother, or Father the Pope, and he's not my father, if those two individuals, if they have not accepted Christ and him alone as their only hope of going to heaven, they don't go. They don't go to heaven. Who in the world wants to be a saint down there? I've never heard anything from anybody of any writing where either one of them will denounce their religion and simply trust Christ. See, no religion can save anybody. Religions are man-made. There's only one thing that a man has to do, and that's to accept Jesus Christ and Him alone as his only hope of going to heaven. So it doesn't matter what that religion is. Have you come to that place where you've trusted Christ because you believe He died on that cross and paid for all of your sins? All of them. And if He paid for all of your sins, then you have as a free gift everlasting life. And even though He was saved by grace, He found grace in the eyes of the Lord to be used. And as an heir of the righteousness which is of faith, you see, after we trust Christ as our Savior, it is the will of God for His people, who are heirs of God, to live righteously. And see, the building of the ark and all that, uh, that was the, the result that he, he believed what God said. If you want to go to heaven, you have to believe what God said. I believe it. Look up here just a moment. Letting this hand represent you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. Now, God says that He loves us. Now, he hates our sin, but He loves us. So you know God loves you. Now, He doesn't like your sin. He hates the sin because it separates you from Him. And to pay for the sin is eternal separation from God in hell. That's why people die. That's why people go to hell. But God loves you. wants you to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, you have to be perfect, but nobody's perfect. You see, we'll never be good enough to go to heaven. No man is. No woman either. Nobody has ever lived good enough to go to heaven. And nobody can make you a saint. Only God can make you a saint. And you become a saint that day you trusted Christ as your Savior. You see, God says you can't earn your way to heaven. You can't earn eternal life. You can't buy it. We're sinners. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. Came into the world because He loves us. Now He hates our sin because it separates us from Him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, did not have to die. But because He loved us and He hates our sin, He took it. So if He takes our sin, He has to die. 
So he died on that cross, paid for all the sin of all the world, because he took sins of the whole world. Died and came back from the dead. And God says, the payment has been made, but the payment's not put to your account till you believe he did it for you. When you believe he did this for you, he gives you his righteousness. Somebody even asked me this, and they sent it on the email, because I have on Bible line where they can ask questions, and I'll answer questions. It says, if the sin of unbelief, if I don't believe, if Christ paid for that sin, then why don't I get to go to heaven? I said, well, Christ paid for the sin of alcohol. But I don't mean just because he paid for it, you get to go to heaven. Or he paid for the sin of uh, lying and stealing. But that don't mean you go to heaven just because he paid for it. So can Christ die for the sin of unbelief? Well, of course, he can die for all sins. That's what it says. But no sin payment is put to your account until you believe he did it for you. So when you even believe he did it for you, then he puts that payment to your account, and you get to go to heaven whenever you die. But the payment he made is for all sin. So let's say, for example, you're here, and you say, well, I don't believe that. Okay, that's a sin. He that believeth not is condemned already. The only way you can do away with the sin of unbelief is to um, believe. But he paid for the sin. But that sin still not put to your account till you believe he did it for you. You can't find fault with God or the work that he did. When he died on the cross, he says, it is finished. It means there's nothing else for you to do. There's no work for you to perform. Your sin is a done deal. All that you have to do is to accept what he did for you. And when you believe on him, that he did it for you, and God saves you, gives you eternal life, and you get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. Let's pray, shall we? I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I don't want you to sign anything. don't want anything from you. You don't have to make any promises or pledges. You don't have to quit anything. But you do have to receive Christ. I've tried to do a little warning. There is a hell. But I told you how you can escape it. God always makes a way. Would you right now, this morning, right where you are, say something like this to the Lord. Lord, I, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've done things wrong. I don't have all the answers. But I believe Jesus Christ died on that cross and paid for my sins. And right now the best I know how I will trust Him as my only hope of going to heaven. And friend, if you'll trust Him right now, God will save you right now. Give you eternal life. And you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. So in the quietness of this moment, with heads by nice clothes, is there anyone at all say, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior this morning and preach, I'd like you to pray for me. Anyone at all? If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, is your whole family in the ark? Have you been preparing, learning what to say, learning how to live, to make an impact, an influence, do it while you can. Our Father, we ask your blessings upon each person here, each family represented. Lord, we just want your will to be done in our life. We thank you for this church and for the ministries that we have. And just ask your blessings in Christ's name. Amen.